thank you for listening to today's message. I am Jesse Gutierrez, pastor at Mercy Hill Church in Chula Vista. Our goal is to help you live the Christian life as God intended for you to live it. We pray that this message ministers to your life and brings you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. To know more about us, visit our website at www.mercyhillcv.com. God bless. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Is this working? Praise the Lord. I know we had a rough week, but uh, we get to be in the presence of God now, and we need to just put everything aside. I'm grateful for all that goes on, but at the same time, we can't allow all these things to rise above our king. We need to maintain always a focus of what our God wants to do in our lives. This morning, um, Pastor Jesse asked me to continue on with his series uh, on making decisions. And we're called to constantly make decisions in the kingdom of God. Every day, from the moment we get up to the time we go to bed, we have to decide. So, let's get into our text um, My text is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. And the word of God tells us, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but also much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time, my Lord God. I thank you for all that has been going on, my Lord God, because all, because despite of all those things, we need to maintain our focus on you. You're our guidance. You're our direction, my Lord God. I pray that you would continually incline our hearts to you, my God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help me this morning, God, convey your word. Oh, God, that I will decrease and that you will increase, God, in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You know, we have to make decisions. God is constantly challenging us to choose He told the Jews in the Old Testament, choose this day who you're going to serve. We have to uh, decide whether we're going to diligently seek God or not seek God. Are we going to allow ourselves to be stagnant? Are we going to allow ourselves to just uh, allow ourselves to be chaff and be blown away? Or are we going to be the wheat that's going to to die and fall to the ground and produce a harvest. You know, the, the rich young ruler, he had to make a decision whether it was worth it to him to give up all his riches, to give up all his security and give it to the poor and follow Jesus. He had to make a decision. He, he felt that, oh, no, I, I can't do this. You know, if we love mother or father more than 
then we love Jesus. Jesus says we are not worthy. Jesus tells us that if we don't pick up our cross and carry it daily, we are not worthy. You know, when he spoke those words to his disciples, they they visualized exactly what that meant. They visualized the crucifixion. They visualized dying. And, you know, I'm sure at that time they weren't completely grasping it. They weren't completely understanding. What is Jesus trying to say that we need to carry our cross? And with time, they did carry their cross. The two disciples wanted to tell Jesus that they wanted to sit on the right and on the left. And Jesus told them, you know, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they told him, yeah. And he told them, you will. Eventually, with time, you will. So if we don't, give, if we don't forsake all, we are not worthy. And I know we're living in difficult times. I know that we're living, people are saying, oh, we're living in the last days and things are going to get worse. And I do believe that things are going to get worse. And I think that we're living in a time where more than ever before that we need to step up our game. We need to step up our relationship with God. In our, in our text, it tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The scripture's telling us that we need to serve God with, with reverence and we need to have fear of, of uh, we need to be trembling over sin that's going to, it's going to interfere in our relationship with God because every time we sin, it interferes with our relationship with God. We see that when the, when the Jews continually disobeyed, when the Jews continually went off with their idols, that it affected their relationship with God. God still loved them. God still cared about them. But the sin in their lives separated them from God. And so what, we're, what we see today in our text is that we have salvation already inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit already inside of us. In John 17, it tells us that Jesus was speaking these words saying that I and the Father will dwell in you. He will dwell in us. When we, when we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we have to grasp the mentality that, you know what? God, Jesus is Lord of the universe. He is the king. We live in America and we, don't, we can't grasp the concept of living under a monarchy. People in the days of old when they stood before a king, they had to be very careful on how they stood or what they said and how they presented themselves to the king because at any given moment they could get chopped up, dragged off to the gallows, or just killed on the spot. We don't have that reverence. We don't have that understanding of who Jesus is. So we have this salvation that God has deposited inside of us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It pleased him to deposit the Holy Spirit within us. It pleased him to deposit salvation in us. He's giving us tools Tools that will help us in our walk to help us in our relationship with God. 
We need to utilize those tools. We need to put on our tool bag. We need to pull out our toolbox and set it up and say, okay, God, what is it that you want for our lives? The New Testament writers constantly, they were writing letters to the churches, giving correction, giving direction, giving instructions. So it's not just an automatic thing that, you know what, oh, you know, God's going to make, make me do all these things. You know, I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. And, 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 then, and then, well, how come you're not doing nothing? Well, I'm not led. See, we're dealing with the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. We all have a responsibility in our relationship with God. We all have a responsibility in working out our salvation. So we're constantly have to make decisions based on the choices that are before us. We constantly have to decide when the flesh comes into play, when the world comes into play, when the devil comes into play, we have to decide. From the moment you get up, your flesh is telling you no. From the moment you get up, the world's telling you, you better hurry up and get to work. The moment you get up, the devil's telling you, you know what, let's go party. Let's go here. Let's go there. So you have to make conscientious decisions. What are you going to do? Who are you going to listen to? What is it you're going to fill your mind with? Are you going to fill your mind with the word of God? Are you going to fill your mind while in meditation where you maybe you're listening to worship music? Or are you going to allow yourself to, to have things deposited in you that are not necessarily edifying. You see, we are told to work outwardly what God is working inwardly in our lives. This is not talking about working for our salvation because salvation is already inside of us. We don't work for our salvations. We don't work toward the cross. We work from the cross. We're working away from the cross and then and we're, what we're doing is expounding on the cross. See, salvation has already been settled. Salvation is in us. God has deposit, deposited that in us as well as the Holy Spirit. We know that salvation is a gift. And let me read from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. And then in verse 10, it tells us, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before, beforehand that we should walk in them. And in verse 10, where it talks about workmanship. Workmanship is actually the word made. But in the Greek, it's poema, where we get our word poem. And see, 
when we're running on all cylinders, when we're submitting to God, when we're walking humbly before the Lord, when we're investing time in our prayer, when we're investing time in meditating on his word, when we're investing time and allow him to do something in our lives, this word poema in the English where we get poem, we, we are actually uh, poetry in motion. We are in completion. When we're making an effort to be with God, to make an effort to spend time and to spend time in his word, we are walking, we are poetry in motion. And God takes pleasure in that. And I know, and I think part of the problem is we do that, we do manage to accomplish that from time to time. Our problem many times is just being consistent. You know, when we are poetry in motion, all that pleases the Lord. And that should be our choice and our decision to say, you know what, what is it that I need to do in order to please my God? What is it that I need to do in order to please my Savior, my Lord? You see, because he cannot be your Savior unless he is your Lord first. I'm sorry, I believe in lordship salvation. I don't believe in wishy-washy, you know, we just hand out tickets to eternity and you just go on your way. You see, God has deposited salvation in us. It is for us to cultivate these things. Investing time. Taking time with Jesus in our, in, our, in our quiet times. I know, you know, we have real busy times. But you know what pleases God? When you say, you know what? Out of the busyness out of my life, I'm going to take an element of time and I want to be with you, God. I want to take an element of time over here and I want to be with you, God. And I need you to come and to give me guidance and directions. We are to have an outward manifestation in our lives of what he is doing inside of our lives. What he's doing in our lives needs to be manifested outwardly. You know, we're, we're to have our light shine before a, crook, a crooked and perverse generation. That people will know that we are different instead of just blending into the crowd. Just like, oh, you're just like anybody else. You're just another chango in the jungle. <laughs> you see, we are to live out our faith. The salvation that, in, that is in us needs to be brought out to its fullness or to its completion. You see, there's, there was an ancient... Roman scholar, his name was Strabo. He wrote about the Romans having some mines in Spain. And he wrote in Greek. Normally, uh, Romans, they spoke Latin. That's what they spoke in the council in Rome. And that's why when Jesus was crucified and it was said, King of the Jews, it was in Latin, in Hebrew. I think it was in Greek. But they wrote it in Latin. And so this Strabo guy was writing about Romans having these mines in Spain. And, um, 
and he was talking about how the Romans were working out what was in those mines, whether it was ore, whether it was gold, whatever kind of precious metals were inside that mine. They were working it out. And it's the same, it's the same wording that Paul was using as working out. You see, they were extracting whatever was within all the richness and the value of what was in those mines. And so what God has deposited within us, we need to mine it. Like we're mining for gold. We're mining for precious metals. We need to mine out the things that God has for our lives. We need to mine out those precious nuggets that that give us our character. Character nuggets. That's what God is looking for. He has planted those things in us. And he has planted those in you. So it's for us to mine out those nuggets of character that, that pleases him. See, it's a decision. Day to day, holy living. I know we have our struggles. And consistency many a times is our struggle. You see, the scripture here in our text commands us to actively and aggressively make an effort to work out our salvation. Romans 6.19 I am speaking in human terms, Paul is saying, because of your natural limitations for just as you were once Presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. When we first get saved, we are sanctified. When we first get saved, God declares us innocent. God cleanses us and he removes all the sin from our lives and we are sanctified because he has separated us from amongst those that are defiled. And then begins this process where we begin to work toward uh, becoming more like Christ on a day-to-day basis. We are set apart in the process of going from one glory to another glory into the image of the Lord. See, that's our goal here while we're walking uh, as we're pilgrims, as we're sojourning along in this planet. Our, our objective is to be more and more Christ-like. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 tells us, God is encouraging us to choose. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. What is your calling this morning? You know, God has deposited all these things in your life and he wants to bring them all out. But he just, he doesn't want us to just live day to day. But each and every one of us has a calling. What is your calling, beloved? Oh, 
Some people will say, um, oh, I'm called to just go to work, paycheck, raise my kids, have all my toys. No. There's something that is distinctly uh, chosen for you to be. This is, well, you know, I'm not a, I can never be a Billy Graham. I can never, well, listen, beloved. Maybe God is calling you to be, let's say, a Sunday school teacher. And if, you're God, if God is calling you to be a Sunday school teacher and you do that faithfully and you enjoy what you're doing and you do it unto the Lord, your rewards in heaven can be just as great as Billy Graham's rewards. So never look down on any of the gifts that you may have and say, I don't want to develop them because I'm not on the platform. I'm not over here where everybody can see me. And it's like God values not just like Pastor Jesse's position, but he values everyone in the very position that they're in, whether they're cleaning the toilets, whether they're vacuuming, whatever it is they're doing, he values that just as much. Jesus told his family, you know, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But those that do the will of God. Are we seeking to know what the will of God is for our lives? It's right here. You know, you don't got to go over there to another land. You don't got to go to some spiritual dimension. You got to go within you because if you want to seek the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you look within you. He's right here in your heart. He's right here in your soul trying to get your attention. So what is God calling you to do? He's calling you to work out your salvation. He's calling you to work out what he has specifically for each and every one of you who is unique and distinct in its own way. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. The ultimate goal is to become Christ-like. Romans 8:21 For those whom he has for those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son we press on to the high calling of God Do you not know that in a race all runners compete but only one receives the prize so run Run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So we need to decide. God wants us to run this race. How much are we willing to exercise our salvation? How much are we willing to exercise the gifts that God has deposited within our lives? If you're not sure what gifts you may have, you may find them over there in Romans chapter 12, starting with verse 6. You will find them in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as well. Seek them out if you don't know. 
But it is very important that you make an effort, that you decide today to make an effort to say, what is my gift, Lord, and how can I present my body as a, as a living sacrifice for you? Again, we need to actively and aggressively be involved in working out our salvations. 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 8 talks about fighting the good fight. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearance. Are we ready for his appearance? Are we ready to stand before God and say, I made every effort that I could to work out that salvation, to work out the things that you deposited in my life? Am I ready to say, you know what, I have my tool bag on. I had my toolbox ready. Do we have the armor of God on us continually? It is a mindset, it's a metaphor for the, for the mindset of are you constantly girding your mind against things that will come into your heart, into your life, that will, that will mess up what's inside? Are we girding up the loins? Are we focused on what God wants for our lives or are we focused on what the world is offering to tell us? Oh, this is, this is the better entertainment you know, the world is going to take our time from investing in God. And it's going to be us that's going to answer for those things when we appear before him. I haven't arrived. I haven't fully, completely done all of this. But we are here as a body of Christ together to work these things out together. You see, and he goes on to say in verse 26, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He doesn't just, he's not beating, you know, he's not shadow boxing, but he's making every effort to make a connection with his king. He's making every effort to allow himself to be open to the things of God. See, we know in the scriptures, uh, in our text, in Philippians chapter 2, verses uh, 5 through 11, an example of how we ought to live out our lives. And the more we live out our lives in a manner that God is pleased is through Jesus' example of his humility, of his submission, of his obedience you know, and if we want to be elevated in some way or another, we got to go down. We got to humble ourselves in order for, uh, for God to lift us up. You know, I used to always wonder about the fruit of the Spirit. I said, gee, Lord, you know, I, I don't have complete love. I don't have complete patience. I don't have complete joy. I don't have all these things down, Lord. I still don't. But God began to show me, you know what? 
In order to develop the fruit of the Spirit, which is singular, not plural, is that the more that you surrender, the more that you submit, the more that you obey, the more that you humiliate, you allow yourself to be humbled, then you start getting filled with the fruit of the Spirit in your life. But if we just carry on, we do our own thing every day, we're not going to have the fruit of the Spirit. You know, unless we're making a, a conscientious commitment to say, God, I want and I need more and more of you. And he goes on to say in verse 27, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. It's not just for the preacher. It's for every single Christian. That if we don't work at these things, if we don't work on working out our salvation, if we don't make that decision to work it out, then we're going to be disqualified too. Matthew 23, 24, 13. I'm wrapping it up. I don't know. They didn't tell me what time. Um, Matthew 24, 13. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So it's, Christianity is not supposed to be kumbaya and you're always on a cloud floating, you know, and I mentioned, yes, we have, to, we have to pray. We have to read the word. But another thing that we have to do in order to please God is to go through suffering. Suffering is what brings growth, brings development, brings maturity. That helps bring out your salvation to its completion, to its, to its fullness. We never can never dismiss suffering trials and tribulations because that's what God there uses he uses those very things in order to bring growth and development in our lives and lastly working out is not just an individual effort but a corporate effort in Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am, or am absent, I may hear that you, plural, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So these things are not just always individual. Yes, we, as we work these things out individually, it becomes corporate because we are the body of Christ. We here are an organism of a larger body of Christ. TDA is an organism. And then all these organisms come together and become one whole body of Christ throughout the world. First Kings chapter 8 verse 58. Solomon was dedicating the, the temple. Solomon was praying. He prayed. You can read about all that later. But in verse 58, as he's praying to God, he says that he may incline our hearts, that God may incline our hearts to him, 
to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his rules, which he commanded our fathers. So our prayer also needs to be that, you know what, that our hearts would be inclined to him, that we would gravitate to him. James, it tells us, draw nigh unto him so that he will draw nigh unto you. Verse 61, let your heart therefore be wholly true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments as at this day. So, beloved, it is a decision every day. It's a decision for me. It's a decision that, you know, that, that I have to overcome my struggles on a daily basis. I have not perfected these things. But as God has laid this on my heart to share with the body here, we can do this together, you know, encouraging and uplifting each other, preferring one another above ourselves. And you'll find that in in the Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. So, more, much more can be said on this. But, again, nobody told me how much time I had. And so, then let's, let's just wrap it up with this. Since nobody has any objections here. In um, Philippians chapter 3, bear with me, I don't have one of those fancy tablets, Philippians chapter 3 verses, starting with verse 12. And the subtitle of that is straining toward the goal. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. And I'll leave you with that, you know. Um, God is calling us to make decisions to step it up you know to go to the next level we cannot be stagnant we got to keep striving for that next level keep striving to make another effort to please him because it pleased him to deposit all these things within us it pleased him to send his son to be cruelly and brutally punished so that we can have all these precious things within us. So, right now, let's just bow our heads for a moment. 
I believe everyone here is saved, sanctified, and holy.